Welcome all to the Disc and Dice podcast. My name's JT. I am joined by my co-host, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. Fantastic. Um, we've managed to, to, to squeeze in an episode, I think, sort of, it feels like last minute, but it really, it's, it's actually on schedule. Um, <laughs> and again, we're, we're bringing this up, but I, I feel like I'm kind of proud of the fact that we actually managed to, to, to get in there. I've just finished work and I think you've been working from home today. So it was just kind of meant to be, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I have to, I also have to say, I also was a little bit proud of us for doing, <laughs> doing an episode within the time frame that we say we will do episodes. So well done That's us. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bucket list. Um, I think every month it goes on the, <laughs> on the, the task bucket list for, do you have for a, both. It, it, do you have a monthly bucket list? Isn't a bucket list like the kind of it's the things you want to do before you die? Isn't that the idea? It's the it's before you yeah. kick the bucket. I didn't know what else to call it, so it got called a bucket <laughs> list. Um, but look, I do have every month. I do sort of try and set myself some some reasonable goals. You know, um, nothing crazy. And uh, yeah, maybe this is one to to start adding to it to to kick us into gear on a regular basis. Yeah, I think I think every month I tell myself that I won't just play the same games as I always play, um, and then, yeah. and then I find myself playing Football Manager every month. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but that's one of the, the the good things about I think the last month or month and a half is that I haven't set those kind of gaming goals to myself, but I have just been playing so much lately, and it's great. So I think maybe you know sometimes the goals can can be a bit of a blocker there if you're if they're always at the front of your mind so i like to sort of just go with the flow and it's been it's been working that's true that's a good point and you feel like you've been you've been sort of bringing the content for the last few episodes in terms of yeah, the things yeah. you've been playing um so that's been that's been much appreciated while i yeah. while i just play football manager <laughs> that's right you're welcome <laughs> you can return the favor sometime yeah yeah i will i um, will um and you know what we we thought we'd we kick things off a little bit differently for this episode. Um, maybe kind of following on from the the little chat there about wanting to play new games and things like that. Because mm. there's, you know, if anyone didn't know, as time passes, new games come out. And we thought we might have a little bit of a discussion at the start of the episode about the games that are coming out in 2023 that the two of us are excited about. Yeah, and I think this is a bit different because game announcements are there, there's always game announcements and right. there's always game announcement updates and it, but it, generally it's 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 that kind of like it's the building the hype about a game that has not really been properly announced or there hasn't been really a, a timeline as to when it will be released. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a bit different because 2023 there's been a lot of games that are we know are definitely coming out this year. Um, and yeah, a few surprise entries that I didn't really know about until uh, I think really last minute. Um, but I think, yeah, the same for yourself. We did a little bit of a, a quick, um, bit of research for, for uh, individually just then just to sort of get a, a few bits and pieces that we're excited about, but, um, I'm interested to hear what you're looking forward to that, that, you know, you will very likely be playing this year, um, that's coming out. Yeah, I think it's just before we jump into the games as well, you kind of said that there's 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 a lot of games that like they have those release dates in 2023 and, you know, 
either they've been delayed from 2022 and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's pretty solid bet they're coming out. I think it's interesting because um, I think we're only just now seeing the COVID effect in that, you know, mm. you know when, when COVID happened, everyone was like, oh, no one can work on games. But all the games that people were kind of, that were coming out in the years that COVID started, like games take years to make. Those games were finished, really, when COVID started. And it's only sort of last year, I think, that we saw the the games that were being started during COVID being delayed because mm. of those that time that was lost in those few years. So I feel like 2023's got, it's got a lot of really big releases that were going to be there already or have been delayed from 2022. And it's sort of like, it feels like it's a bit, it's a bit chunkier in terms of releases. And I think that's a COVID thing. I think that's all the stuff that, that got held up in, you know, 2019, 2020, got pushed a little bit further. And now we're getting all of it this year. Yeah. It's like a bit of a, a content bottleneck for, for a good two or three years. And then it's, I guess it's sort of now started to just shoot through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for us. Good for the consumer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So how do we want to do this? Do we want to like take turns and go game for game? Sure. What do you what do you got? Uh well, um this this is in no particular order. So yeah, not not like most anticipated or anything. But the first one on my list is Starfield. Um possibly the first one I wrote down because a release date got announced yesterday September, or today. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah, September. Um so you know the 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 big open world Bethesda RPG, um, you know, always enjoyed the Elder Scrolls games. Morrowind, one of my all-time favorites. Um, you and I both really, really liked Fallout 4. Um, but I'm I'm particularly interested to see them do kind of, um, I don't want to say proper sci-fi, but sort of like space sci-fi, you know? Like Fallout yeah. 4 has Fallout 4 has strong sci-fi themes running through it. But Starfield is, is really this this kind of traditional you know you're flying a spaceship you're exploring planets you know i assume there's going to be aliens and all that kind of stuff um so i'm i'm very very keen for this one because these games like i think at worst i'll put 100 hours into a bethesda rpg you know that that's the worst case scenario (laughs) yeah well i mean i remember the fallout 4 coming out there was sort of the i mean as every game comes out these days it does seem like there's always a, some kind of con- controversy but mm-hmm. i think fallout 4 faced some backlash from it being i don't know there was like lack of content or just what didn't live up to the hype that you know fallout 3 or and new, new vegas obviously had but you know at the end of the day it was an excellent game i reckon i sunk easily 500 hours into that and yep. that just, you know, thinking about all the, the, the amount of um, gameplay I got out of that uh, and the amount of great experiences with the game and the story and the world, it makes me really excited for Starfield because I think, you know, Bethesda, um, uh, you know, they've, they've given themselves a bit of a, a, a bad rap in sort of some, some, some of the later years in terms of the games coming out that, that have come out, sorry. But I, you know, I don't think it's all warranted. I think that's a lot. A lot of that is just the internet, mm-hmm. and so I think I, I think they're going to make. I think they're going to deliver at least, you know, to the point where you feel like you've got your money's worth. Yeah, and and I, I'm I really like ambitious games that are a bit rough around the edges. 
Mm. Like I, I'm, I'll always gravitate towards that than a very, very polished, safe sort of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like as much as Bethesda games are huge, you know, million dollar making AAA products, I feel like they really fall into that category that they're always, you know, the ambition is always a little bit too big for what they're trying to do. And whether that means that the world is buggy because there's just too many things interacting, you know, the physics systems are always a bit like nuts in those games or or whether it's just like the the ambition of what they're trying to do with the game they they never quite hit the mark and deliver on what they say they're going to do but i i think i would always take that over the sort of the the scaled back but very very kind of generic and safe game experience mm. you know the you know what i mean by kind of the the the, the third person action game which these days feels yeah. like if you want to make a safe triple a game you make a third person linear action game um, and I also, yeah, yeah, well, that's right. And I also think that um, Bethesda, you know, their open world games, I think they're sort of one of the best developers at um, putting out, well, I'm not sure if they're developing or just publishing or both, but um, generally the games tied to their name have excellent emergent gameplay. And that's yes. usually yep. one of the things that I've always loved about their games. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's one that's high up the list for me. Uh, it's a few months off, which is kind of good because you know I've always got plenty of other stuff to play. But um, yeah, what what about you? So again, no particular order. My first game, um, Dead Island Two. So I loved Dead Island One. Um, I played that the the co op with that. I think with um, some work colleagues through the the whole game. We we finished it together, which was really good. I think we we used to get home from work and then jump onto the PC and then just play Dead Island until we, like, you know, basically went to bed. <laughs> was, was, it, was that like a... I never played Dead Island 1. Was that a, a co-op thing or a PvP type thing? It was so it was so, solely single-player or co-op. Um, okay. Very, very much like uh, uh, Dying Light. So I think oh, it was yeah. actually the same, same developer. Um, but little i think I, i'm not sure the differences are, are a bit hard to sort of really describe between the two games but they are different games they they play quite differently um but yeah so dead island 2 uh the announcement and the the gameplay trailer sort of really blew my socks off a little bit i was actually really impressed with it um it didn't look too uh too much like a presentation it looked like fairly fairly honest um in terms of the actual gameplay and yeah it, i think it's just sort of very gave me the same sort of vibes as as the first game but obviously just sort of you know in the the new generation of gaming um and i think yeah i think it's something that i'll definitely be playing as long as the sort of the the initial impressions are, are at least a bit decent um mm-hmm. and that's out really soon isn't it yeah, it's, it's coming out pretty soon. And so the, the last entry, which was Dead Island Riptide, which was kind of like, it was, it's, t- it's technically a sequel to Dead Island, but it's basically the same game. Uh, um, that was real, real disappointing. So hopefully um, that sort of same 
uh, type of game doesn't come back in Dead Island 2, but it does look very different to the to the first two games. So mm. I'm Is- really, really excited for that. Um, and I think that's the kind of game where I'm, I'm hoping that I can find someone to play it with um, because the co-op in it, in those games is just so much fun so much fun is that an open world type thing yeah so it is um i'm just trying to think dead island one how open world it was yeah it was pretty much open world it was like very large levels um and but this the new one is fully open world and it looks like it's like a scale version of los angeles so i think the first game was actually a fictional setting this one they've just gone let's just take los angeles and make it into a zombie film basically which i think is really cool and i do find that games are doing that a bit lately i think it's because it's the the technology of like real world mapping is just so advanced now that that it's it must be so easy to do so it's um uh yeah cool little feature i might have to check out the that gameplay video that we were talking about before about that one see what it looks like yeah yeah for sure so another one that I'm looking forward to is Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. So we've we talked about previous Diablo games on the pod before. And this one is coming out, I think, around June, July. It's like middle of the year, that kind of thing. Um, I, I'm pretty keen for this one. I, I liked Diablo 3, um, but I am looking forward to the kind of tone shift in Diablo 4, which is back towards the sort of um, dark fantasy vibe of it's Diablo 1 and gothic, 2. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that, mm. that, that kind of gothic dark fantasy. Um, Diablo 3 was fun, but it, it the art style and everything about that, that game went, it kind of took a big step towards like the Blizzard World of Warcraft aesthetic, you know, everything yeah, a bit, bit stylized. Awesome. Yeah, a bit stylized, a bit colourful. Um, you know, nothing wrong with colourful, but... Everything I've seen from Diablo 4 looks like it's, um, you know, it's going back to its roots a little bit in how things look. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking forward to that. That Diablo games are always the kind of ones where, you know, I'll, I'll play them. I'll play through the main story. I'll put a bit of time into kind of grinding stuff with friends on there. Um, you know, the Diablo 2 remake, I got a good chunk of gameplay out of that as well, playing with friends and replaying that one. So, yeah, I'm... I'm pretty keen for this one. It does look like Blizzard are trying to put a lot of sort of, you know, almost kind of like MMOs aren't what MMOs used to be these days, but it looks like they're trying to make it like what the modern version of MMOs are, things like Destiny and stuff like that, where there's a lot of like event-based group yeah. stuff um drop in drop out yeah and then yeah i've always been a big fan of games like that now coming out where there's you know it's more or less a, a fairly individual or a small group sort of gameplay setting but then with yep. these big hubs where people can actually sit you know sort of meet up i've always liked that it's sort of like a, it's like between a single player game and an mmo yeah like it, it'll be interesting to see what they or like what kind of balance they strike here because I'm not I'm not a huge fan of this kind of the kind of like I guess it's like games as service sort of model. Um mm. and yeah, I'm I'm probably more like you say, I, I would like the the kind of hub multiplayer experience, but then to be able to do my own thing, you know, I don't really want someone 
running past me in Diablo with, you know, like, like gamer dude 69 as their character <laughs> name, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, we'll have to see, like, hopefully that stuff you can engage with as much or as little as you want. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Is, is that something that you would play? Cause you didn't play the Diablo two remake and I don't, well, I don't know I, if you have played I Diablo honestly, games much in the past. No, I haven't. I like, I remember getting really pumped for three. Yeah. Um, cause it's like, this is, I'm going to start playing Diablo, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like make it a thing and it just never eventuated. So, you know, maybe it'll happen with four. Um, but you know, knowing that. Diablo has always had a really, really strong co-op element um, yep. and knowing that I've got, you know, people who who definitely do play that kind of thing, um, you know, like yourself, it's, uh, yeah, a little bit more attractive to maybe, you know, actually start. Um, that being said, I've, I've always got that real, I, you know, I guess it's a little bit of a almost like a an urge like if i'm going to play the fourth game now like i have to go back real quick and play the first three um and oh, okay <laughs> do i have time to do it i don't know but i think th- i think diablo though is the kind of game where i could probably get away at, at just stepping straight into the yeah the fourth game so uh, i think, I think it's something i'd play yeah well we'll have to see yeah so my second point of interest is city skylines 2 so i actually didn't know this was what well, i knew it was a thing as in um they'd been talking about it being in the works but it now being sort of uh it's been like it's been like officially today. announced now right officially announced and you know this year so i'm really really excited about this now because city Skylines one is still so far ahead of its time like as far as you know the city sim goes it's just unmatched it, you know it blows all the other games out of the water there's no one can really touch it just because of how good like i don't know how advanced the systems are how good the game looks you know what you can do the replayability everything mm-hmm. and so i was sort of su- surprised that they've announced it to come out so soon given that the first game i know it came out back in like you know i don't know 2015 or something but it still has so much to give and the content that's coming out is like it it's not just cosmetic it's always something that builds on the game a little bit more so for them to come out with a a brand new game that is apparently going to be a lot bigger in terms of what the engine is capable of gets me super super excited because you know number one i'm still not done with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i don't think i'll be playing two when it comes out but i think i will definitely be playing it as soon as i've sort of like feel like i've got the most i can out of number one so um like i'm just just looking on i'm looking on steam and city skyline one got dlc as recently as december 2022 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I, I have a question about this. It's a game I, I don't play, and I don't play a lot of city builders, really. But, like, what are the kind of things that you would like to see in a city skyline too? Like, I, I'm kind of, you know, I try to think, like, what what's the jump from one to two that makes it better beyond just, like, better graphics and the city being bigger? Like, what kind of things would they add? Um, so I haven't looked too much at, the the specifics but i do know that 
the game is going to be a lot bigger in terms of how big your city can go. Mm-hmm. So it kind of the first game kind of hit a bit of a, a hard limit on that. You know, even with mods, it kind of you it could unlock more, but at that point, you know, even on the the blisteringly fast computers out now, it, they they hit a real, real hard bottleneck in terms of how big the city can get. Mm-hmm. The new game had sort of like rejigged it. It takes real, real good advantage of multi-core CPUs now. So it can handle like a, a far bigger city, like 10 times bigger or something like that. It's huge. Yeah, wow. So um, I'm really excited to to get to those really massive sprawling metropolises, which, you know, even in the first game still exists. You know, it's not like you're making little towns. The, the cities you make are big. But I think this is going to be more on the level of like a realistically huge city right. and and the scalable detail that go that goes with it. You know, being able to look at it from like way back from like a bird's eye view going right down to the street level where you can, you know, see like rubbish on the street and stuff, which is the first game has it, but I, it kind of it's toned back a little bit because it, the, even back in 2015, you know, multi-core CPUs were sort of, still relatively new games weren't really like properly taking advantage of like a four or six core processor so that has me excited alone just knowing that the game's going to be able to do so much more of what even even if it's the same game but just with a bigger scope of uh how big the, the city can get and also this the detail um that that's enough to get me excited, but it looks like they've got lots of other stuff that they've um, uh, going to be looking at doing. Um, I'm just reading it. Looks like they've reworked a bunch of the systems, and there's some more complicated aspects to it into to some of the existing systems that that, that number one has, which um, I think is really cool. So, yeah, um, I will be really interested to see just exactly what else is announced to do with the game. I want to see some gameplay stuff. I'm not sure if that's out yet. I haven't seen anything, but I think it was just yeah. that just that one little announcement trailer. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it's got me really excited. It's the kind of game that I can just get lost playing for for weeks and weeks and weeks yep. nonstop <laughs> about um, and it's really fun just being, you know, a, a god looking over a civilization essentially <laughs> it's pretty cool so next one for me is forza motorsport so this is the of the, the the yeah. unnumbered um I, is is it kind of a a reboot a little bit mm-hmm. at least in terms of the naming for forza um it's going to be interesting to see whether that means anything beyond just taking the number out of the title um but it it's been it's been a while since there's been a new Forza Motorsport game. Obviously, the Horizon series, that the sort of the far more arcadey version, has been ticking along. Twenty seventeen would have been the last Motorsport, I think. Seven was probably twenty seventeen, I think. Yeah. Okay. So that's like twenty seventeen. Yeah. So it's that's like a, that's a big gap between. It doesn't feel that long, but yeah, when you look back at the numbers, it really is quite a while to be deprived of a you know yeah. a hard racing sim. And the interesting, in the interesting thing is that. Uh, I think at least the last two, if not the last three, 
Xbox consoles launched basically with a Forza title and mm-hmm. Xbox One Series X did not. That, you know, this this game was not rushed out to meet that launch window. And even now, there I don't think there's a release date for this game. So 2023, I think, is when it's, it's supposed to be coming out. But mm. it, it's taking a long, long time to make it. And that makes me really curious again, like, you know, is this, is this just a... The bulk of the development was planned for during COVID. So it's all been delayed till now, you know, like, or, yeah. or is it that it's a really, really big overhaul? So it's going to be significantly different. Um, but, you know, like first, first Forza Motorsport game on the new console generation is exciting. Um, I think they've announced, they've announced sort of some interesting stuff about uh, things like every track having a full weather and night and day cycle. And stuff like that. I which... do remember Seven sort of came out with that as a a semi feature, but it wasn't quite a proper cycle. It was kind of more like variations of weather on the same track. Yeah, that that's what Seven has. Seven has like yeah. um, some tracks have those things, but some tracks don't. Um, yeah. Whereas this, they've said with this, it's going to be basically like just a dynamic system that works mm. anywhere. So that that stuff is really appealing. Like I've been playing a lot of Project Cars 2 recently and that has all of those kind of systems in it. And for me, it makes a huge difference in the kind of like, I like to do like long endurance racing in those games. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Forza allows me to do that stuff as well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see like the, the Forza Motorsport series, I think is in a bit of a weird spot. It's like, it's been like Horizon has been unbelievably successful but mm. is a much 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 more arcadey experience and it will be interesting to see what motorsport looks like now that i think arguably it's the like it, it's now the kind of the, the second game in the series to yeah. horizon which has really taken over in terms of commercial success i'm interested i'm always interested in the um the the car schedule so I'm interested to know your thoughts on would you want to see sort of what they've done in the past where they've got, you know, a, a, a pretty decent spread and variation between, you know, your everyday driver cars that you can sort of upgrade a bit and then you've got the flat out proper racing cars. Would you want to see less of that kind of lower tier racing included and just sort of focus on you know i guess proper racing cars or cars that are at least built for racing um because i I know that that was maybe one of the criticisms for for a lot of people with motorsport is that like well if you're going to have a a, a hard racing game don't put everyday drivers in it you know kind of like what (laughs) gran turismo had yeah which for me i'm fine with it i kind of like the idea of having like a crap car that you can build up to to be able to race yeah, like I, I'm, I was probably pretty happy with where Forza Seven was in terms of the the car spread. Uh, like I'm kind of the same as you for a game like that. That I like having all the road cars in there. You know, I like the I like if as long as it's got a good career mode where you kind of move up through the tiers for that stuff. I think yeah. that's quite fun. And I I have always enjoyed Forza's sort of car customization, whether it's in terms of the performance or the um, the paint jobs and stuff like that. So I like having that variety of, you know, road car, race car, like classic modern 
sort of divide where you, you get a real good spread of different things. Um, I think probably the thing that annoyed me more was duplication of cars. So it's like there, and some of this I am guessing is tied to licensing deals, but there were things in previous Forzas where you had like, it gave, it, you had every Ford Mustang from a five-year period from like, you know, 2015 to 2020. And it's stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, I, I own any one modern Ford Mustang. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, the differences are so subtle. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say I'd like less of that. Um, and yeah, besides that, I was pretty happy with where Seven was. I, I raced probably most with the, like the race um, the race spec cars. So not like the, you know, the super powered sports cars, but like the, the proper, like, um, ones that are specifically built for like track racing. Like that was the stuff where mm. I ended up putting the most hours in. So, you know, a good selection of cars there is probably what's most important for the kind of stuff I'm playing. But yeah, I do like that. It kind of covers everything. That's the, like, that's the appeal of those games is that I can turn it on and like, drive my like race spec car in a big endurance race or i can turn it on and get into like a mini cooper and see how fast i can make it go yeah yeah the last game i have on my very brief list here is uh one i've spoken about before because i've played a early version of it um not the full game just one level uh, that's the system shock remake so this is now very much nearing completion i think it'll um probably be out hopefully within the next two or three months and i think i'll be getting straight on it if the, if the first impressions are, are decent yeah i guess you know i never got to play system shock one and two when they first came out but they're sort of what they've, they've they're often quoted as you know the like, fairly groundbreaking games for their time um and so I'm really looking forward to giving this one a go. I think it'll be a, a relatively brief sort of affair. I don't think it's, I don't think it's meant to be a, a really particularly huge game, but um, especially by you know modern standards. But yeah, I, I think I really like the look of the game. The aesthetic was really cool, and it was really satisfying. Some of the the, the gameplay stuff that you know the puzzles and the the combat was really really um, really fun to play in that that first little demo that sampler that they they released um about a year or two years ago but yeah it looks like it's gone it's it's gotten a, a bunch more work done to it since then so i'm really looking forward to it and i think you sort of mentioned that you were interested in the system shock series maybe not necessarily to play but um interested that that they were sort of going through and, and remaking them yeah like i think I think two is the one that's like the big critically acclaimed one that everyone mm. talks about. But yeah, if they're kind of like you say, they're not super long games. Um, playing that kind of gameplay demo they did a few months ago, the thing that struck me was um, how puzzle based a lot mm. of the game was. I, I thought it was much more of a kind of straight up shooter. And so that kind of thing appeals to me. And I'd probably be quite interested in playing that. Like you say, they're sort of like they're real classic games and it feels like a bit of a, a bit of a sort of gaming bucket list thing, especially being like a PC gamer. It feels like, you know, I should probably play system shock at some point 
to you know see yeah. what all the fuss is about so yeah remake is a good way to do that and the thing that i really enjoyed about that 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 sampler thing that they released and maybe maybe it played the same in the original one as well i'll never know but it gave me really strong um cryostasis vibes mm. in that had that intentionally clunky combat because that wasn't what the game was for mm -hmm. um you know you were you were more or less someone who was trying to just sort of survive um and so it has that real true survival horror aspect to it where you're not like an unstoppable machine you are very much someone who is you know in a in a, in a really shitty situation so to speak and you're kind <laughs> of just making do with what you can to to get through you know get through the the situation so it gave me that really strong cryostasis um kind of vibe where yeah clunky combat but it's meant to be clunky um and sort of satisfying at the same time you know once you'd you'd down an enemy because it was it's so difficult to do um you know there'd be that sort of like real sense of pride and achievement because you're like yes i got past that situation so mm -hmm. um and it's also sort of rewarded avoiding combat if you could as well you know by doing like the puzzle or stealth based kind of thing it gave you a lot of options so i'm really looking forward to seeing just how far they push that you know i think it'll be really cool so last one on my list is uh jedi survivor which is the sequel to jedi fallen order and this is this is coming out next month i think so that's also also quite quite close and mm. yeah, I really enjoyed the first one. It's a bit like a, now that I've played Elden Ring, I can recognize that these games are like a, they're a Souls-like light sort of game. To me, I got the impression, yeah, of somewhere between a Souls game and like a God of War game, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't played the God of War game, so I'm not 100% sure, but they've got the, the Souls thing of... Um, the kind of checkpoint system where the enemies respawn when you, mm. you know, you kind of, so you have to make that decision of like, do I push further for the next checkpoint or do I go back and regain my health, but everyone, everything will respawn. And the combat was kind of like, it was that little bit more uh, difficult than just your standard third person action game. Um, which Please throw everything. yeah yeah so it took me a little bit to get used to it and I think I ended up just putting the difficulty down in the end but having played Elden Ring now I'm kind of I'm quite interested to play this game and sort of approach it a little bit differently um, and yeah I, I, I really liked the first game it was a good it was a good Star Wars story like better story in that game than most of the movies and TV shows that they've done and uh, the gameplay was it, it was not it was kind of open world-ish in the sense that each level was quite open and there was a lot to explore and come back to and discover as you sort of unlock new powers. So there was kind of a, a fun little gameplay loop there of progressing the story, get a new piece of gear, get a new power, and then go back to that other planet because now you can access that area that you couldn't get to before and things like that. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I'm expecting the second one will be more of the same. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty keen to play that one. Again, that's sort of another, another one that I'm looking forward to on the Xbox Series X because I haven't played a lot of things on that which really push the limits so far. So mm. it will be, yeah, nice to play a, a, a big 
AAA third person game on there to to see what it's like. Yeah, I think I'm kind of interested to play that as well because I haven't played Fallen Order yet, but now that I'm sort of going through Game Pass and obviously EA games on that. Mm, um, okay. And Fallen Order's on there as well, and that's a game that I've always wanted to play through because huge fan of the the Jedi Knight series, um, yep. especially, you know, the Jedi Knight 2 Outcast where it sort of went third person. Um, that's sort of, I guess, similar in the the sense that you're it's a third person lightsaber wielding sort of game it um really love those and that when that came out i was like oh my god this is you know exactly what i want but i just haven't haven't had a chance to play it so yeah hopefully i'll get around to playing full nord and then i can jump onto this <laughs> very much a spiritual successor i think to those yeah. to those games yeah yeah uh so that that being all the games we had on our lists here of things we're looking forward to jt i have one question for both of us uh what is that which is that anyone who listens to the pod knows that uh most of the time we're not playing new stuff most of the time we're playing old games or we're playing if you're me i'm just playing the the same games every every episode as i've always played mm. um so you know we're not like a we're not a podcast that's talking about the new releases every week that's that's pretty rare for us. So my question is, will we actually play any of these games in 2023? Well, yeah, I think so. Um, but the, the we, thing we, we have we hope, have good intentions. We have very good intentions, and the thing that gives me hope, and maybe I'm maybe I'm front loading this information a bit a bit prematurely, but I have just installed uh, Atomic Heart, and you have done the same thing, and I've True. just started playing it, and you hopefully we'll start playing it too and it might be one of the first times where we've 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 got like two people who have actually played the same thing at the same time and we yep. have and more it's or not, less and it's a not real project zomboid yeah that's right <laughs> and, it, and it can be like an, a more or less a real-time conversation when we have it about you know the game yeah and uh, a, again, a new release that's right so Given that that is, you know, maybe that's the trial. If, if that happens, then I've got I've got real high hopes for the fact that we might play at least one of these other games. Yep. All right. So there we go. We our our high hopes for the year are recording episodes on a regular basis and talking about relatively new games. So we'll we'll see how we go. So we were having a, a brief talk about um, Jedi Fallen Order and how it sort of looked similar to a Soul slash God of War type game. Um, I've just finished playing a very much a God of War type game, and I go as far as to say that it is a God of War clone, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's Dante's Inferno, uh, which is a bit of an older entry. I think yeah, it when, came out. When did that come out? I think it came out in 2011 or wow. 2012. Yeah, okay. So a little while ago, um, probably just after God of War 3, I want to say, is when it came out. Yeah, because I, I actually own this game on Xbox okay. 360 and I've never played it. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so it's I don't even remember getting it, but at some point I bought Dante's Inferno. 
yeah well there you go well it's also on game pass if you want to you know play it from oh. from game pass does it have any uh, kind of like uh is it like updated or anything or is it just no. a 360 game i think it's just the yeah it's a 360 game so it, it when you load it it loads the um the the xbox 360 uh splash screen so yeah, right it hasn't been remastered or updated and it really shows yeah, <laughs> um <laughs> I, that's actually probably one of the first things i noticed about the game because i remember seeing the, the gameplay trailers for it a, a long time ago and sort of being like wow this game looks great um but playing it it looks a lot worse than what i thought it looked like back then <laughs> kind of kind of isn't that far off being a playstation 2's looking game yeah uh, even the, though it came out after god of war 3 which to this day still looks pretty good the thing so, i remember about that sort of 360 era of games like that is everything was really shiny it, it was like yeah, they, shiny textures was some mm. for some reason that was i guess that was the way around low resolution textures textures was just to make everything shiny yeah i think it was back sort of get the like texture materials were in their infancy you know now we've got like multi-layered materials and the the technology is like so advanced mm -hmm. but yeah you're right back then it was kind of like we'll make everything shiny so you know you can see that it's a special texture <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean it look it's it looks pretty it looks pretty bad it's it's really quite a, a depressingly crappy looking game um which was disappointing but but you, fin uh, you finished it i finished it yeah okay it, yeah it didn't take too long to finish but um it was fun it was it was like i said it's god of war like if you've played god of war you've played this game <laughs> um very similar also you know you've got this is obviously focused on like christian mythology um god of war is like hellenic and greek mythology so they the the stories are actually still very similar you know in god of war you kind of you go down to hades this one you're going through the nine circles of hell um and i guess for those who aren't aware it's it's of very much uh based around um the divine comedy which is a, a poem or epic poem i think by uh someone named dante um which is also sort of i think it's i think it's called dante's inferno oh no it's called sorry the divine comedy <laughs> yeah so it's called the divine comedy and i think it's also called something in italian inferno as well um yeah i think there's I like i can't remember i think it's like the, it's th three parts or something and maybe one yeah. of one of the parts yeah, is called inferno got, yeah it's purgatory yeah. The first part is purgatory. The second part is like hell, and then the last one is paradise. I think yeah. something to do with those. So maybe the second part is inferno. Yeah. Well, welcome to Disc and Dice, Australia's leading <laughs> literature podcast. Really, really struggling with this history lesson. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's obviously where it's sort of um, the the namesake and the very loose storyline comes from. It's not. It's not really. Um, verbatim what happens in that in that epic poem but um yeah it's sort of got it's been um updated for the for the 2010s i guess you could say and it really shows um 
yeah, it was okay. It was <laughs> um, it's like it's it's mindless. It's a it's a mindless game, really. You're just sort of running around and cleaving through Emily uh, through enemies with you know whatever sort of ability that you choose. The thing that stood out to me when this game came out, which I remember, and I can't believe that's twelve years ago now, but. I, I remember kind of like you're saying, thinking like, yeah, this this is like a God of War style game, but the um the kind of the setting and the theme and the sort of the uh the take on you know effectively Christian mythology was kind of cool. That you know I I sort of liked that horror vibe that they'd given to those things, and I, I seem to remember mm. watching gameplay footage, and they really went for it with a lot of that sort of gruesomeness in it. Like, is that yeah. does that stuff still does it still land at all, or is are those graphics have they aged too much for any of that to really work now? I, th- I think it probably landed back in the day. Now, I think that I've you know after playing games like Scorn and um doom you know so many other games that have i guess a similar sort of aesthetic or take on hell and that kind of or hellish mm-hmm. a hellish hellscape or whatever i think it looks a little bit uh it's almost a little bit cartoony and that's also you know not necessarily just the visuals but i guess just the presentation you know the dialogue the things they say it's it's all a bit it's all a bit uh camp yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that's I think that's just probably a you know, it's a product of its time. That being said, you know, I I've always been pretty interested in different depictions of of what, you know, hell and that kind of thing is, especially stuff from you know that might have come from like the Bible or something similar. Um and you know, it's, some of it's kind of cool. Like I think I think some of the, you know, the monster designs quite cool and the boss fights, especially, you know, they they were a lot of fun because you know you come up against, um, you know, some some fairly famous sort of entries from the Bible, but sort of with a bit of a a twist on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they were kind of cool. I really like enjoyed a lot of that kind of stuff in the game. Um, but yeah, like you know, the main character you're playing is Dante. He's just like he gives you nothing. It's he's just such <laughs> a He's such a video game character, it's sort of hard to take the rest of the game seriously when, you know, if he's meant to be sort of like the constant in the game, everything else is just a little bit crappy because of him. Um, yeah, okay. It's just real poor character writing. It's just like totally phoned in. Um, so why is he there? So he's there because he's trying to f- save his wife from hell because she made essentially made a deal with lucifer that dante would be faithful for to her and unfortunately dante is a was a naughty boy during the crusades as a as a crusader knight yeah um and kind of landed her in hot water um as a result of his action so he kind of goes to hell to redeem himself and save her yeah, um, which okay. is essentially a, a, it's essentially the story of the Divine Comedy, um, but I, th- you know, they've taken a lot of liberties, sort of, to make it playable, yeah. um, because that story is quite long and drawn out, obviously, because it's um, <laughs> you know, it's just how they did it uh, <laughs> in the Middle Ages, but yeah, and um, it's a poem. It's a poem as well, yeah. <laughs> so 
the other thing as well is um it's it's actually quite similar to a a, a a movie that came out with Robin Williams back in like the 90s that I actually really liked um, called What Dreams May Come and it's essentially the same story as this and the Divine Comedy. Um, and I actually think I actually really think they took a lot of the visual style in the game in some elements from that movie. A lot of the stuff looked real similar. Interesting. Yeah, and that is... You know that's a movie that still sort of holds up, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they they at least would have had to have watched that film to sort of get some of the ideas they had in the game. It's it's interesting subject material, I think. You know, I, I feel like we often you have you know games that are Greek mythology or Norse mythology and things like that, and I think I guess because being from sort of a a, a Western country. Christian mythology is kind of, we're almost too close to it. Yeah, it's a bit, of, bit yeah. of a taboo, I think. Yeah, or it's a bit of a taboo, but also I think probably, you know, it, it doesn't have the, like, exoticism that mm. other other religious mythologies have, so it kind of gets dismissed. But, like, I'm just thinking about it now. It's like Diablo is this. That's that's Absolutely, what Diablo yeah. is drawing on as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, and- it's often not recognised that for what it is there. But um, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's interesting when this stuff is done well. Like you're, from what you're saying, yeah, it doesn't necessarily sound like Dante's Inferno does a particularly good job. And if if we're being honest, Diablo does a pretty kind of heavy-handed job of this stuff as well. Like there's no nuance to to how Diablo presents this kind of stuff either. Um, but I feel yeah. like, I feel like it has I feel like there's potential here for a, a much more interesting game that sort of um, you know. Like like deconstructs this stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like um, the the Souls games draw a, a fair bit on that sort of medieval aspect, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you could almost say that it's probably fairly inspired by 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 some of the same themes um, from from Christian mythology. Uh, but obviously, you know, borrows from a bunch of different areas. But I think that sort of, you know, if if you want a modern take on it, I think that's probably your closest bet. Is is one of the later Souls games, maybe even Elden Ring. I don't know. Um, maybe there's some of it in Elden Ring as well. But mm. yeah. But as far as you know, as far as the game went, you know, I enjoyed it as something that I'd sort of, you know, I'd get home from work and and you know, bash out an hour or two of it just sort of for something to do. It was fairly mindless really but um you know enjoyable for what it was um and again you know it's one of those those games i've always had on my list that i was like well it's there now i might as well give it a go um it was easy to get into so yeah do you recommend it to others probably not there's heaps better older games you could be playing mm-hmm. um especially yep. if you haven't played the god of war series i'd recommend just probably going straight for that it's probably a little bit yeah. more polished um and yeah and it's it sort of goes a bit further as well you know that get that game i think it was meant to have a sequel but it just never got one so yeah um a another game though that i have also just finished like i said earlier i've been i've been playing a lot of games lately um but this one i actually really really enjoyed and can highly highly recommend and that's the the last entry or the latest entry i should say in the the amnesia series so the first one was Amnesia Dark Descent. Second one was Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs. And the last one that came out um, not too long ago now was Amnesia Rebirth, 
Um, and I can say very confidently that this one has been the best in the series so far for me. Really, really liked playing it. Okay, so I've I've never played any of these Amnesia games. I think too scary for me, <laughs> like notoriously scary games. Yeah, um, yeah. So Rebirth is just like when you said you'd played Amnesia Rebirth, my first thought was, is this a remake of the first Amnesia? No, no, it's not. No, it's okay. A, um, it's a, well, I guess you could say it's a prequel and a sequel at the same time. Right, um, okay. Yeah. Um, without spoiling too much, it sort of takes place um, over a long enough period that you are sort of playing before and after, and I guess kind of during the first game, um, but as a different character. Right, okay. Um, is this game better than Dante's Inferno? It's it's marginally better. Oh, wow. Okay, I, I didn't, I thought... You'd be much more. I'm joking. It, it, it's a much, no, it is a much better game. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll gladly recommend that someone play this over Dante's Inferno. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're back onto a positive vibe for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's been a while since I played Dark Descent. That was pretty groundbreaking for its time as well. Um, and I, I'd say even, even still like it's still pretty groundbreaking um i think because it was like one of the first games horror survival horror games where the game really relied on your proper reflexes and the the physics within the game you know like you had to like actually open closed doors with your mouse um everything everything was really really uh reactive like all the environment was like completely interactive and reactive with your movements so what i mean is like you know you're you'd have to open a door with the mouse or pick up an object but sort of you know if you like threw a rock around like you would make a lot of noise or you could just sort of pick it up lightly and make not as much noise because you know there were monsters that could hear what you're doing um so that sort of very much has carried over into the second and the third games um but yeah i think this game is sort of very much similar in that regard but yeah like i said it's been a while since the first one so i kind of forgot a lot of what happened in the game um but rebirth does a pretty good job at sort of holding your hand through some of the the main highlights that you kind of should know about that happened in the first one um but like I said, it's sort of taking place on a slightly different time scale to the first game. So you kind of need to remember some stuff. I don't think you'd be able to go into this game without playing the first one and sort of actually understand what's really going on. So, you know, if you if you are going to play it, definitely play The Dark Descent. What's the... What, what's the premise of the Amnesia games? Like I said, I've, I haven't played them at all. So when I'm talking about Amnesia, I'm really talking about Dark Descent and Rebirth. Machine for Pigs took place in the same universe, but it was not really the same game. It had like the same mechanics, but it was more or less completely different. Um, <clears throat> not really sure what the reason for that is. Um, but... Rebirth and The Dark Descent are in the same universe, the same time 
timeline, everything sort of is very much intertwined between the two games. Premise being that uh, you, well, I mean, it's called amnesia for a reason. You sort of more or less wake up in both of the games without real without a real memory of what's happened up until that point in time. And you sort of, a lot of it is you're re-piecing um, fragments of a memory together to sort of form a bit of a story. Uh, the first game is centered sort of around like a, an archeological dig that something happened at. This mm. is the same situation, but you're playing a different character from that dig. Uh, but under very different circumstances. And I don't want to give away what that means because I was actually really surprised that the game uh, put you in this situation that made for some really, really interesting moments. Um, so I, I kind of don't want to give away because it would be a huge spoiler, but it's also a huge part of the game and the gameplay mechanics. So <laughs> I can't really talk about it unless people have already played it. Um, so I think it's something, one of those things, definitely go out and play it, discover it for yourself. Uh -huh. um, one thing I will say, though, um, the game is terrifying. So the first one was pretty scary, but this game just sort of like ups it up a, a little bit more. Like it's just amped. It, this one goes to 11 <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Spinal Tap fan. Um, yeah, it just uh, scared the shit out of me. It had it has okay. these like it has these really really terrifying chase sequences. Like the first one had a couple of them, but they were sort of they were a little bit contrived. They kind of were simple to get through. These ones are actually really really scary. Like there's this part where you're sort of put into this weird changing maze. It's kind of like a puzzle, but also a chase sequence in the same part. Um, and it's so hard to see. Like the game sort of is really quite dark and that's i guess one big part of the game is that you're kind of trying to avoid being scared and you're trying to stay in the light because when you are in the darkness your fear levels which is a natural mechanic in the game increase um and then you start having hallucinations uh other things start happening in the game there's more likely that you'll be noticed by a monster um so the game had a lot of these really, really great parts where you'd be stuck in like, like I said, like a maze or a cave system and you're just trying to like get out of there and it's not really clear how you're meant to do it. And it just does it so well. I'd say like a good half of the game I was on the edge of my seat and sort of sometimes actually just had to save the game turn it off for a little bit because I'm like, no, <laughs> my heart's racing too much. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um th that fear mechanic you mentioned it's an actual gameplay mechanic how does that work so the fear mechanic is in the game as a, sort of like a a, a complement to the to the dark system in it so when you're in an area that is not lit well enough your vision starts to go weird and you start to hallucinate and it's sort of like it's fairly slow. It doesn't happen straight away. Um, but, you know, light is around fairly sparingly. So you 
uh, quite often in the dark and a lot of it is you know trying to navigate in the dark but also move or find the next light source so you can sort of have a little bit of a a, a, a respite from you know being too long in the fear and if you're in it too long like i said before it increases the chances that like a monster might notice you or you start having these visual and auditory hallucinations that sort of completely throw you off the 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 game sort of like you know even not necessarily just your character but it makes the game harder to play when you're when you've been in like a fearful state for too long right okay yeah um so it's it's quite a cool mechanic and it really adds to to sort of like that the level of anxiety that you feel when you're playing the game um and it makes finding those little safe spots like really really comforting and and relieving like once you've finally found like a you know a torch or you've found a a box of matches to like light a torch yeah really really makes those little situations really rewarding the other thing that i've heard about the amnesia series is that it has little or no combat in it that you're kind of it's you're not fighting the monsters you're avoiding and running away you, i feels like you kind of touched on some of that in the things you've said so far but yeah, yeah. Is, is that that's the case yeah it is um i was i for a split second now i was going to say no you can kill them but i'm actually pretty sure you can't i'm actually thinking of frictional games had another series called penumbra before amnesia which i also played um also great games very very scary um, but in that one, you you could actually kill the monsters, but it was very difficult. Um, this one, I'm fairly certain you can't because there's not really any tools to get them with, even mm. though you can pick a lot of stuff up. There's n- you're never really given anything that might do any real damage to a monster. Um, and that's for a reason. I think, you know, if you could actually kill them, I think it would sort of break that immersion in those scary moments. Right. Yeah. But one of my favorite things to do in the game as well, it's like, you know, you're trying to avoid combat. It's really, really satisfying to find a hiding space. So you might find a closet, you know, if you've got enough of a distance behind you and the monster, you you can step into a closet or some kind of door cutoff area. And then you like, you actually have to use the mouse physically to to close and open the door. Means you can sort of open the, uh, like a door or cupboard ajar just enough to sort of peek out but not give yourself away um so it's really really cool to sort of play you i guess it's like a bit of like a hide and seek game built in that's sort of it feels really really natural um and the game just does it so well i guess the the only thing I, i really found a bit disappointing was that there wasn't really an engine upgrade since the dark descent so as far as graphics and the way the game works, it's more or less the same game um, <clears throat> in terms of like looks and feel. Uh, they didn't really put much else in it. There's a, there is another part of the game that they did put in that's new, but obviously I can't really talk about that um, without giving away a huge part of the game. Um but yeah, I was a bit disappointed. Now I thought it, I thought it would look a little bit better, given that it came out so much later than um, Dark Descent. Um, this is still, it's relatively indie 
ish development yeah. for these games still. Yeah. Yeah, frictional games, I guess. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a AAA title. It had a lot of hype behind it. Um, but yeah, it's by no means, you know, a triple A AAA title. It's very much an indie game. It feels like an indie game. Um very, very highly polished. Um, I really liked the the lore of the amnesia series is excellent and it already was great in dark descent but this one just drives it home and it just had me looking into the game further to find out more information about the setting because you kind of experience something that's only talked about in the first game um and yeah in rebirth you actually get to go to a place that you hear about um and it sort of just opens up the game world to this whole new dimension, which is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, so after I finished the game, I was reading like a bunch of other stuff, um, trying to sort of like get more knowledge about, you know, what things were that I was seeing in the game. Um, it's one of those games that's like really, really good with finding, I guess it's like, you know, you find books and notes that sort of build the lore. There's a lot of that in the game. Um, you know, some people might say too much. I say it's just right because I think making those discoveries when you're exploring areas, um, like just make the 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 game that much more believable. Um, and yeah, builds on the lore, which was was really really cool. I think these games are still too scary for me. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that is Amnesia Rebirth. Um, I'm kind of yeah sorry to say that I, I don't have too much more I can talk about it without completely giving away a bunch of the the real main points and themes of the game. But I'd I'd urge anyone who is interested in survival horror um, definitely give this one a go. If you played the first one, 100% give this one a go. Um, like I said. Min- uh, machine for pigs is not really relevant to the series I think it was also developed by someone else as well um but yeah if it's if it's your kind of thing definitely definitely give this and a dark descender go if you've got both of them um, i think they're both on game pass as well rebirth was on game pass dark descent i'm pretty sure is also on game pass as well as the dlc for it which was kind of cool as well this one doesn't have any dlc as far as i can see um i don't think anything will come out now because it's been out for a little while now but yeah if something does come out i'd also be keen to give that a go all right well now that we have covered all the things we're looking forward to and the games that you've been playing jt uh before we finish off shall we shall we look ahead briefly to the next episode um which which i think actually you you kind of gave a a preview of what this is going to be anyway earlier on Considering we've yeah. we've both installed and are ready to play Atomic Heart, yep. And I think you know we're both fans of I guess the the Russian aesthetic. Um, I guess you know it's it's always it's a it's in I feel like it's in more and more games these days. But I think it, it Atomic Heart looks like it does it fairly um, fairly. I don't want to say genuinely because it's not it's a piece of fiction, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess uh, I guess it it's, cool, it's yeah, it's Russian developers, so it, that's that's a little bit more genuine, perhaps, than Westerners doing their you know America's version of the Soviet Union sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah but yeah um, I'm, I'm yeah you started playing it a little bit i think i've i haven't fired it up yet but yeah again i think the reason we're playing this is because it's on game pass you know that game pass there's yeah, a, there's and- a yeah, there's a bigger discussion topic there about Games Pass uh, at some point when we have time, uh, I want yeah. to have, but yeah. I have also started playing uh, another game called The Ascent. So I've just been playing Amnesia, Rebirth, and Dark Descent. This one is called The Ascent, which is like a, I think it's like an isometric RPG. Okay. S- theme slash cyberpunk setting um i sort of again it's on game pass so i was just like cool i'll just play this one as well um <laughs> i i've just started playing i'm probably in about 10 minutes into the game so i can't really form a proper opinion on it but it looks so good it's gives me like real strong final fantasy 7 vibes in terms of um the setting but the graphics are amazing for a, like a you know a, a platformer rpg isometric game um i'm really really surprised so i think i'm kind of keen to 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 continue playing that it's also co-op like couch co-op which is kind of cool Mm -hmm. um drop in drop out so hey if you're around as well sometime paul there you go could be on your top list as well it could be it could be this that's one of the it's like a I remember seeing stuff about it. It's it's like isometric, but it's it's like an isometric shooter type thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of. I feel like there was a there was a time again during the 360 era when that kind of thing was really in, like mm. the, the isometric mm. sort of. They're not RPGs. They're just kind of like action shooter things. Um, mm. But I haven't seen one for a while. Yeah, well, that's what piqued my interest because I haven't played a game like that for a long time and. I've always been a fan of them. I think they've been, you know, great. And I'm always up for revisiting a sort of, uh, you know, something that, that could be played either today or, you know, 10 years ago. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think, I'll, I think I'll continue. Yeah, we may, I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out. I am, I'm reading some uh, William Gibson novel at the moment, who is kind of the, the, I don't know, the father of cyberpunk. So, yeah, maybe I'll be, um, maybe that will pique my interest a little more. Yeah, it'll give you the itch to scratch. Now, how about you? What will you be playing? Have you deviated from Elden Ring and Football <laughs> Manager? Well, look, Atomic Heart <laughs> is probably my deviation, really. That's okay. that's as, as deviated as, as it's going to get for me. Um, I'm I'm uh, besides that, yeah, I'm deep in the uh, title race for the Kosovan Premier Division. And yeah, that will be the rest of my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least there's something new in there. All right. Well, that is about it for this episode of the Disc and Dice podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can always send us an email, discanddice at gmail.com. Uh, or you can find us on all of the, the various social media places, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all those places where you can usually find links to the episodes. And yeah, you can message us there if, if that's your thing. You can also find us on the Raptor Mountain Discord channel. We have a little patch there. Uh, You can send through any feedback, any questions. We usually try and be pretty uh, reactive there. Um, And we can, yeah, get back to you there. We can indeed. But like I said before, that is it for this episode. So we will see everyone next time uh, where maybe JT and I will have played the same game. We just have to wait and see. 
fingers crossed.